following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out with Rock Solid Hope in Rim Country. March 14, 2021, Numbers 21, 4-9. You know, on occasion, <clears throat> I'll allow my children to order something online, in which case they need to wait for it to arrive. And if you're uh, young and little, five to seven days can be a pretty long time to wait if you're that many years old. Do we ever really outgrow our impatience in life? Because I had ordered something recently and I too checked the tracking to see when it would arrive because you can see day by day what the updates are. Doesn't make it come any faster, does it? But I do it anyways. And maybe if it does come a day later than indicated, maybe I'll even start to grumble. What about when it deals with things regarding us and our God? How do we respond? What happens when, when we grumble in response to God's call for us to deal with patience in our lives? Well, we see our answer this morning as we look at God's word in Numbers chapter 21. See, faith has always called for great patience, right? In the very beginning of time, God told this world that he would destroy the work of the devil. But the world had to wait for thousands of years as they waited for the promised son who would defeat the devil. And then believers throughout history had to wait. Consider someone like Noah. He's in the ark for over a year, patiently waiting for the destruction to end. Did he grumble at all? And then the people of Israel, 400 years, waiting for the promise that they will be delivered from their slavery and given the land that was promised. 400 years of waiting, generation after generation. And actually, if you go back to the time the promise was first given to Abraham, that his descendants would possess that land. It was going on 600 years. But then we get to this generation, the one that we read about in Numbers chapter 21. After 600 years later from the promise, finally, they are the people that are going to cross into the land that God had promised their great, great forefathers that they would possess. They had waited. They'd even wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But now they were about to take what was theirs. Except what we see is they weren't able to directly go from where they were located up into the promised land. No, they, they couldn't go through Edom. They encountered a, a setback. So Moses directed them and led them further south along in the wilderness and along the edge of the Arabian desert. And they were going to enter the promised land through the, the side door, so to speak. They had to take the long way. Now you and I don't have a promise like the people of Israel did that our congregation or your people or your town might possess a certain place on this earth and be blessed there. We're not waiting for that. But we do share in the greater promise that Israel held, 
The promise that was given at the beginning of time, that we would possess a new heaven and a new earth. And through faith, we are children of Abraham, ready to receive an inheritance from our God. And it's something far more glorious than we could ever imagine. And yet, at times, doesn't it seem like you might wish that, that our journey was a little bit smoother to receive that promise? That we do face setbacks. Christians do face difficulties. They do face trials in their life. Maybe that setback or trial is something that you've experienced in your own life or in your household or in the Christian congregation. Or maybe it's in the workplace or maybe it has to do with finances or health. Whatever the setback may be, we do face many trials as we wait for the promise to be fulfilled. And doesn't it feel sometimes like you might just say, well, just one more setback? I felt like I was so close to just receiving what God had promised in an easy way. Well, the people of Israel, how did they respond when they were given that setback? This excursion to go around the back way. They were the ones who knew better, right, than to complain. After all, their forefathers complained and saw, they saw the result. They had witnessed their parents, the previous generation, one by one, dying off over 40 years of wandering because they had complained and doubted. They knew better than to question God's working and his plan, right? And they were so close, and yet so far away. So we read, along the way, they spoke against the Lord. They grew impatient along the way. And they spoke against the Lord and against Moses, his servant. These are the, the people who had been given so much from God. You might say, well, of course they complained. They, they ran out of food. They ran out of water, right? Wouldn't you complain if you were in the wilderness and ran out of water? But God had given them water to drink for the past 40 years. God had provided bread from heaven for them to eat so that they would have no need for the past 40 years. It even says in Scripture that the, the sandals on their feet did not wear out. That's how much God cared for them. All the past blessing. And now, now that they have to go a little bit further, what did they do? It says, they spoke against the Lord and they said, we despise this worthless, miserable food. They were speaking of God's gifts, which they had long received, but now grew tired of as they ran into a hurdle. The people of Israel, of course, complained at their hurdle. How is it for us? What about you when you face your setback in your life? There might be some time where you would say, Lord, I'm grateful for all the gifts you've given me, and I can see the goal ahead of me. But when a trial comes, how does that gratefulness hold up? Is it sometimes, Lord, do I have to face this now? And when those trials or hardships or detours come into our lives, Aren't they the times when we might begin to forget the past goodness to our God as well, from our God and all he has given us? Those who face hardships in this life can begin to grumble against God and forget the previous blessings and maybe even grumble against their spouse or their children or regarding their house or their job or their health or their church home. 
and all of God's blessings which he has given them so abundantly in grace. And don't think that those who complained in the wilderness were only the unbelievers. Why was this written? The Apostle Paul says that these words are written for our benefit. What happened to Israel as they grumbled along the way was written for us to see. He writes in 1 Corinthians 10, saying, Don't grumble as some of of them did and died along the way. And if you think you are standing firm, he says, be careful that you do not fall. Paul knows that if we do not look to the blessings of our God and the promises of our God, but can only focus on what is immediately in front of us, that we will, like Israel, become short-sighted, and we will, like Israel, begin to grumble, and perhaps, like some in Israel, be in danger of being on the verge of God's judgment. The people did face judgment. It says, God sent venomous snakes among them, and many in Israel died. Make no mistake, it says God sent those snakes. They were a response to their grumbling, a response which they deserved in punishment and, yes, chastisement. What about us when we grumble? Are we not putting ourselves, as Paul says, on the verge of judgment, despising God's goodness and gifts? Where in the end would that leave us? Thank God that his patience never runs short. Yes, God sent the snakes, but God sent them as a setback to turn their hearts back. As the people grumbled, God responded in grace. The people, after receiving this setback of further punishment, which they recognized clearly was from their God, cried out to the Lord, We have sinned against you and against our Lord. And God provided a means, a way out. It doesn't make much sense, does it? God told Moses to lift up the very image of the thing which was afflicting them. And it was so simple, and it seemed so odd. But he said, those who look to that snake that you have fashioned and lift it up on a pole, whoever looks will live. And we read, when someone was bitten and they looked, they lived. God's gracious provision for his people. They had grumbled. They deserved grumbling and the grave under God's judgment. But God reversed their place in grace. And all who trusted his promise lived and would enter the promised land. God operates on that grace for us. It was almost too hard to understand, almost too difficult. But Nicodemus thought he knew everything when he came to Jesus that night. He thought he understood God's working until Jesus explained to him just how simple God's rescue plan is for his people. The washing with water and the spirit and a rebirth that gives new life. Nicodemus, as he spoke with Jesus, a teacher of the law, didn't understand. So Jesus explained to him the foolishness, as the world calls it, of the message. How simple God's rescue is for us. And he told Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. It's so simple. God's provision, God's promise, 
believe, rescued. And notice when Jesus explained this fact to Nicodemus that it's through faith in God's promise that we are rescued, he said, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Not must because he owed his grumbling people anything or because he had to do it other than any reason except for his great grace and his kindness expressed to us that Jesus, the Son of God, might be lifted up, that all who look might be saved, that he might defeat the serpent who from the beginning of time brought us under sin and the curse by himself becoming a curse, lifted up on the cross, so that all who look to Christ crucified and believe find life in him. And all who look to Christ lifted up from this earth into glory, ascended into heaven, find life in him who died for us and now lives. It seems too simple, but it's the grace of God to reverse our place and see what God does for us in grace. He takes us from grumbling in the grave to grateful and saved. You know, I've done some traveling. I don't know if you've ever experienced it when you go along either the shore of the ocean or of a large lake. And when you're doing that, you can look way off in the distance and you can see your goal. The goal will be a piece of land that's jutting far out. Well, one time I was on one of the Great Lakes and traveling with some of my friends and cousins. And we decided to make our way towards one of those points off in the distance, a couple miles away. We knew there was a park there. But every time we came to another jut, a beachhead in the sand, you would see that though your goal seemed like a straight line, there was another large dip that involved several hundred yards more of travel. And when you got to the end of that, there would be another large dip with several hundred yards more of travel. And every time you look back, you, you couldn't see how far you've gone. You could only see the last jut of sand jutting out from the shore a couple hundred yards back. It can get discouraging. That's what it was like for the, the people of Israel. They knew where their goal was, but they couldn't think back on all the blessings which God had given them, and they could only see the trial which was right before them. Maybe sometimes life can be like that for us, where we can see the goal, but we see also only the, the short trial in front of us, and we can't look back and reflect on how far God has taken us. But in grace, God has taken us and carried us and blessed us. And in Jesus, we know the goal. The destination is sure. His promise is good. There will be trials. There will be unexpected turns. But God, in the end, in grace, reverses our place from grumbling in the grave to grateful and saved. Amen. <laughs>